Welcome to another episode of the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. And tonight, we are going to be talking about several things in the world of sports. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball playoffs. We're down to our Final Four, the American League and National League Championship Series. We're going to be talking some college football. We're going to review some of the upsets from last week and preview some of the big games of this week. And we're going to talk about some of the possible college football playoff teams, both the obvious teams, and a couple, I'm going to give you a couple sleeper teams to, to think about as we head to the second half of the college football season. And we're also going to talk the NFL. We're going to talk about uh, some surprise teams. We've got the Cleveland Browns in the mix a little bit. We've got some disappointing teams. We've got some coaches on the hot seat. And we'll preview the big matchups heading into week number six of the NFL football season. We actually have our first game in London this this weekend with the Raiders and the Seahawks. So uh, lots on the docket for tonight for the uh, episode number five of the Powers on Sports podcast. want to talk about our sponsors real quick as we get started here. Uh, the Running Center. For all of your running needs, shoes, apparel, you know, footwork, all that kind of good stuff that you need to do to, to continue your uh, your fitness regiment, visit the Running Center. We have Power Stories Theater, which is a theater here in Tampa that uh, conducts performances throughout the year. They have a performance going on now called The Calendar Girls, and I'm going to be actually going to the, the performance on Thursday the 18th to see that performance so definitely go to powerstories.com if you're interested and if you're in the area and you want to purchase tickets you can purchase online or you can walk up the night of the show there are several shows that are, that are selling out and uh, it's a fairly small theater that seats about 40 or so so tickets are limited so definitely get your tickets in advance for the calendar girls it's the calendar girls gonna be running about two more weeks here in Tampa Five-star athletics for all of your sports apparel needs, team uniforms, travel ball, AAU basketball, youth teams, uh, high school teams, your corporate business. If you're looking for you know corporate apparel for your employees, your, your, your staff members, T-shirts, polos, hats, shoes, whatever you need, five-star athletics can help you out on that front. The insurance quarterback, Patrick Highland. 813-966-1052. Give, give Patrick a call if you have any insurance needs. He's your insurance quarterback here in the Tampa Bay area. I do a show with Pat on Sundays. We do a, we, we do a show on AM 1380 here in, in the Tampa Bay area. We do a uh, sports show on Sunday morning. So Pat's a good, uh, good friend of mine and very experienced insurance man. So if you have any insurance needs, definitely give Patrick a call. Sam Jenkins Designs. I've mentioned Sam every all the time. Sam designed our logo for the podcast. Did a great job with that. Sam's a fellow FSU guy along with myself. So give, if, you, if you have any creative needs, design logos, branding, all that kind of good stuff for your business or your personal, uh, your personal branding, whether you have a son or daughter, maybe it's looking to, to, to market themselves for uh, <clears throat> colleges, that kind of stuff. Give Sam a call. Uh, you can check him out on his webpage, 
SamJenkinsDesign.com. SamJenkinsDesign.com. And he definitely would be uh, love to help you out. We also... <clears throat> So definitely uh, take advantage of our sponsors. They're, they're, they're been very helpful for us as we got the podcast up and running. And we look forward to uh, continuing to work with those guys as we move forward. So well, let's get to the MLB playoffs. We've had some uh, – there hasn't been a whole lot of drama in the divisional series, but we're down to the final four. We've got in the National League, we've got the Milwaukee Brewers who took care of the Colorado Rockies in three games. That was kind of a ho-hum series. The Rockies really struggled to score runs. I believe out of the 27 innings they played, 28 innings they played, I think they scored in one inning. They were shut out twice, and they scored two runs in one inning. So a pretty lackluster performance out of the Rockies after they had eliminated the Cubs in the wild card game. So the Milwaukee Brewers, kind of a hodgepodge bunch from a pitching perspective. They've kind of taken the bullpen uh, mentality of, uh, kind of a bullpen, the starter uh, mode of of their starting pitching's not 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 fantastic, but they have an excellent excellent bullpen. Lots of arms in the bullpen. Uh, they play to their strengths. They've got a good offensive team. Kristen Yelich, who probably be your National League MVP. You've got Ryan Braun, Lorenzo Cain, some of those kind of guys that uh, a lot of people are are on the bandwagon of the Brewers. A very hot team. Very exciting. Uh, for the city of Milwaukee, haven't had a haven't had a winning team like this in quite some time. So, the Milwaukee Brewers will be facing the Los Angeles Dodgers, who took care of the Atlanta Braves in four games. Um, the Dodgers held serve at home, came back to Atlanta in Game Three, pretty entertaining Game Three on Sunday night. Uh, the Braves jumped out to a big lead, the Dodgers tied it, and then the Braves hit a home run late in the game. When it won game three, six to five, and end up the Dodgers took game four in Atlanta. The Dodgers are the model of versatility, have lots of interchangeable parts with their with their players, have a lot of guys who have kind of kind of no name players that have come out of the, the woodwork the last couple of years. Guys like Chris Taylor, Max Muncy. You know, they've 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 got some star players. They've they traded for Manny Machado, they've got Yasiel Pui, they got Cody Bellinger, they got Kershaw obviously pitching. They've got a young guy, young starting pitcher Walker Bueller, who did not pitch very well in the divisional series, but had been pitching uh, incredibly well prior to that start. Excellent bullpen with Ken- Kenley Jansen in the back end, so it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, NLCS. Um, Milwaukee will be hosting, so it's the two. I believe it's a two-three-two format, so. I expect this to be a long six-seven game series, and again, both uh, both cities will be on fire. Milwaukee will be jumping out the jumping on fire at Miller Park, and then you'll be back in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. The NLCS starts on Friday, and uh, look forward to that to being a great series. So, American League Championship Series, you had the epic battle between the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees. First time since the dramatic 2004 NLCS when the Red Sox came back from 3-0 down, down to beat the Yankees and go to the World Series. Uh, lots of pressure on the Red Sox at, after Game 2 of this divisional series. It was 1-1. David Price was a disaster in Game 2 starting-wise. Uh, starting um, Yankees took Game 2. Everybody expected this to, to go back to, to uh, Yankee Stadium and them to take care of business. 
when the Red Sox answered the bell in Game Three, throttled the Yankees sixteen to one. You know, there was a controver- some controversy with Luis Luis Severino. Did he know what time the game started? Apparently, there was all kind of rumors and speculation that he basically warmed up for like eight minutes prior to the first pitch of the game. He thought the game was at eight o'clock, but the game started at seven forty. So he didn't get to the bullpen till like 7.30. So all kind of drama surrounding Luis Severino. He went out and subsequently got bombed in three innings. They were it was I believe it was 10 to nothing in the fourth inning. Final ended up being 16 to 1. Uh, the Yankees resorted to pitching a position player in the ninth inning. Uh, Brock Holt for the Red Sox hit for the cycle in game three. So brought up a pivotal game four in in Yankee Stadium. And the Red Sox put the knife in the coffin of the Yankees last night. They Rick Porcello came out and pitched a very quality game. Again, did Aaron Boone lots of lots of lots of uh, criticism going towards Aaron Boone and Giancarlo Stanton today after the after leaving CC Sabathia in the game probably two or three outs too long. For some reason, Boone. Relied on CC Sabathia, guy who's 38 years old, hasn't had a great year. Has a you know he's, the Yankees have a notoriously excellent bullpen. They got plenty of arms. They saved all their arms. Didn't pitch them Wednesday. Basically had them all ready to go, rested, ready to go. And Boone still left in Sabathia to give up three runs in the third inning for some reason and let that game get out of hand. It got to be four to one in the ninth inning. Craig Kimbrell for the Red Sox, the closer. Kind of made things interesting in the ninth inning. Was a little wild. The Yankees had the bases loaded. Sanchez, Gary Sanchez for the Yankees nearly hit a game-winning grand slam. Drove the left fielder back to the wall. And who uh, made the catch, but it stayed in the ballpark. And finally, uh, Kimbrell gets out of the inning in the ninth inning on a great play by Eduardo Nunez and a great stretch by Steve Pierce at first base. Had to be reviewed, but after after instant replay, he was ruled out, which he was out. So the Yank, so the Red Sox survive in advance, four three final, three to one in games. Major disappointment for the Yankees. Giancarlo Stanton was awful with with runners in scoring position. I believe he left fifteen runners on base in the in the series. He was awful last night in the ninth inning. Kimbrell was all over the place, wild and wild with his control, and and struck out. Ended up striking out Stanton on a terrible pitch. Um, so Kimbrell and the Red Sox escape. It's going to set up a Boston Houston American League Championship Series. Houston took care of Cleveland in three games. Again, a pretty pretty big disappointment for the Indians. A lot of people had the Indians going to the World Series potentially and potentially upsetting the, the Astros. But that team just seems like something's missing there. That the starting pitching was bad. Kluber got shelled in game one. You know, the starting pitching after Corey Kluber wasn't great. The bullpen was 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 poor. Andrew Miller, I don't know if it's health or age, but he he did not look like the same Andrew Miller from a couple years ago. So the Astros advance. They'll they'll travel to Boston for game one Saturday in Fenway. It'll be an electric atmosphere in Fenway. Kind of a rematch from the playoffs last year. The Astros uh, eliminated the Red Sox last year, so in the division round, so it'll be a, it'll be an excellent uh, uh, rematch here in the ALCS. A little little uh, inside baseball. Joey Alex Cora, now the manager for the Red Sox, was a bench coach for the Astros last year when they won the World Series. 
So you have a little bit of a, another little bit of a connection there. So uh, again, Astros, lots of power, tremendous starting pitching. You got Verlander, you got Keuchel, you got Garrett Cole, you got Charlie Morton. The Red Sox are more winning on guile. They got Chris Sale, who made a who made a tremendous appearance last night in relief in the eighth inning against the Yankees in Game Four. He's going to start Game One. The big question is for the Red Sox: Do you start David Price again? who has continued to be a, a complete disaster as a starter in the playoffs. Tremendous relief pitcher in the playoffs, but as a starter, he's just been t- un- incredibly uh, unlucky, not won a game, been, been amazing for as, mu- as good a pitcher as he's been for as much poor performance as he's had in the playoffs as a starter. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it sounds like he's going to start game two, but I would – Imagine if he doesn't pitch well in game two, then he'll get relegated to the bullpen for the rest of the playoffs, which could be a blessing for the Red Sox because the, the the Red Sox have had some pro- problems getting the ball to Kimbrell, the middle relief, the setup to get to Kimbrell. Um, though they did answer the bell in the New York in the Yankee series, so it'll be interesting to see how the how the Red Sox play with uh, with David Price. A tremendous pitching performance by Nathan Eovaldi in Game Three in New York. So I'm sure I'm. I'm positive he'll get a game he'll probably start game three and then you got Porcello in game four so very interesting matchups uh again Red Sox with a lot of versatility and athleticism uh they got a lot of interchangeable parts third base second base it's a little uh you know catcher they, they they're not afraid to, to to depending on who's pitching and the whether it's a righty lefty matchup or vice versa they're not afraid to make changes. You know, Brock Holt hits for the cycle in Game 3 against the Yankees, and he doesn't even play in Game 4, which is which is almost crazy to think. So, uh, But they get it done. Alex Cora versus A.J. Hinch. Again, I think it'll be a battle of the bullpens. Houston doesn't have a great bullpen, and neither do the Red Sox. So I think starting pitching will help determine this series. I'm going to predict the Red Sox are going to find a way to get it done in six games. I think they're going to win six games, and I think you're going to see the the Red Sox against the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will figure out a way to get it done in six games as well. Um, so you're going to have a, I think you're going to have an L.A. Boston World Series. I know the networks will be ecstatic about that. Fox, I believe, has the World Series, so they'll be super excited if they get a Boston L.A. World Series, and they'll be wanting to jump off the uh, Empire State Building if they're having to deal with Houston against Milwaukee. So. From a TV TV ratings perspective and in an advertising perspective, those guys have want no part of it being Milwaukee and Houston in the World Series. Definitely got to have one of the two big big market teams, whether it's LA or Boston, in the World Series to get some national attention and get some national viewership. Um, but uh, I'm predicting LA Boston in the World Series, and I'll give you a World Series pick on our next episode. So. Lots of ex- exciting things going on in the baseball world. It's a pretty exciting time. That down to four teams, there'll be games on pretty much every day. They'll pretty much alternate uh, days to where there won't be any off days. Where no, there will be no baseball. So you should be able to find uh, the baseball either on TBS or Fox. Basically, starting from Friday through the end of next week, virtually every day. So that'll be a good thing if you're a huge baseball fan, especially playoff baseball, where every you know, every day is strategy. Bullpens are all available every day. You have a very short leash leash with these starting pitchers, and all that stuff. So, be some great action in the major league uh, championship series. So, all right. So let's uh, trans. Want to want to drop a quick little note 
about a friend of mine here in Tampa, Mr. Earl Garcia. He's the head coach at Hillsborough High School here in Tampa. Coach Garcia just broke last Friday. He broke the all-time wins record in the in the in Hillsborough County with a win over Jefferson High School. Very uh, dramatic late win in the late late score in the game. Scoop and score fumble recovery runs to the house. Hillsborough ends up winning seven to six in a very drama-filled game. But congratulations to Coach Garcia for breaking the uh, all-time wins record for the for Hillsborough County High School football. Uh, speaking of high school, I was at uh, a little offici- my officiating uh, game last week. I, I had a kind of a classic old rivalry between Middleton High School and Plant and Blake High School, two teams that were not very good record-wise, but again, big rivalry in the city. Ended up being a fantastic game. We had a 19-16 final. A lot, I think, I think three lead changes in the fourth quarter. So just a uh, lot of penalties, but a, but a pretty well played fourth quarter. A lot of drama late in the game. You know, Blake scored late. Middleton drove down and got intercepted in the end zone in the last minute and a half. So pretty high, pretty drama, pretty high drama filled game. So that was, that was fun. I'll be heading to East Bay High School this coming up Friday night to see the East Bay Indians against the Leonard High School Longhorns. So hopefully that'll be a, a, another good game. Had, I've had three good games in a row, so continue look forward to another competitive game. Also want to give a shout-out to all the uh, people up in the Panhandle and you know South Georgia and the Carolinas. I know it's been a rough, rough day today with those guys with the hurricane, Michael, uh, hitting land up in Panama City, the Panama City area. I know that area has been ravaged today, that whole panhandle area. I know some people that live up there, so hopefully everybody's okay, and hopefully you you know everybody took shelter, and, and it's going to be a slow process to get the, the electricity and, and the insurance claims and all that kind of stuff and debris cleaned up, but just hang in there. Just so everybody knows, we're thinking about you up there in the, in the Panhandle. And up, there's going to be a lot of uh, you know hurricane force winds that, that roll through South Georgia tonight as well. Um, I was watching on the news in, in America's Georgia. They were talking about that's where a big part of that storm was rolling through. I got a little history in America's. I used to live in America's and work in America's at the Georgia Southwestern. So hopefully the people up there uh, in, in South Georgia are doing okay and make it through the storm okay. Um you know, small town. Those guys aren't probably prepared for that kind of stuff. So hopefully, everybody uh, is going to make it through okay. And it sounds like it's going to, you know, just bring a lot of rain and through the Carolinas and up the East Coast and hit the. Sounds like it's going to hit the Atlantic on Friday. So hopefully, again, everybody's okay. It's going to be a slow process to get everything back in order, but we're thinking about you. So keep your head up and maybe you get a little get a little joy about listening to the podcast and and uh, t- tell somebody about our podcast. But we are thinking about you. Okay, so week seven of the of the college football season is here. It's unbelievable to think we're already halfway home through the through the college football season. We uh, you know last week we had there was a couple of big upsets. You had uh, Texas beating Oklahoma, which is not a huge upset, but a kind of an upset. I think I told you last week on the podcast. I said, look out for Texas. That's a dangerous team. They played uh, they played very well in a shootout in the in the Cotton Bowl. 48-45 final. You know, Sam Ellinger, the quarterback for Texas, was fantastic. Kyler Murray for Oklahoma was fantastic. Uh, just, again, a shootout. Texas was up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Um, 
Oklahoma came back to tie, and then Texas kicks a game. True freshman from Texas kicks a game-winning 40-yard field goal with under five seconds left in the game. So the Horns take home the title this year at the at the uh, Texas State Fair. Fant- again, excellent game. Again, this Texas team is very dangerous. They are coming on. Tom Herman seems like he's getting it together in, in, in Austin. Uh, he's got an incredible record when he's an underdog as far as covering the point spread and winning the games outright. I'm wanting to say he's won like 10 out of the last 13 games that he's been a head coach where he's been an underdog. He's won 10 of those games outright, both at Houston and at Texas. So Texas is a team to definitely keep your eye on. If they were to run the table uh, and finish 11-1, and it'd be probably pretty tough to keep them out of the playoffs. So that's a team to keep your eye on as we move down the road here is the, the Longhorns as far, as far as Oklahoma goes. Uh, Lincoln Riley made a tough decision on Monday. He fired defensive coordinator Mike uh, Mike Stoops, which, if you remember, is the brother of Bob Stoops, who used to be the head coach at Oklahoma, who hired Lincoln Riley. So probably a pretty tough Sunday Monday for for Lincoln and the Stoopses having to make that decision. But that Oklahoma defense was just has just been very porous all year, the last couple years, and I'm sure. Again, very tough decision to have to do that, but uh, they did make a change at defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Yeah, the Auburn Tigers went to Starkville and got upset by the Mississippi State Bulldogs, giving Auburn their second loss of the year, pretty much knocking them out of any playoff contention. Uh, they're still in the mix for the uh, – no, they've got that – that's their second loss in the SEC, so they're probably done in the SEC West. Just an unfortunate – you know, Auburn's been a team that – Excellent defense, but very much of an underachieving offense this year. Jared Stidham, lots of high hopes for him heading into this year. Just hasn't gotten it done. There's not, I don't think there's a lot of wide receiver talent at Auburn. The running game and the offensive line has, have not nearly been as productive as, as anticipated. Uh, so kind of a kind of a bummer there for Auburn. Kind of ruins the towards the end of the year. You can have that Auburn-Alabama game, Auburn-Georgia. The only thing Auburn can do now is kind of be a, 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 a spoiler. They're out of the West. Uh, debate um, good win for Mississippi State uh, so Auburn goes down there they were a top 10 team and probably you know in the state of Florida we had a big a big uh, rivalry game Florida State Miami down in Miami this week Florida State jumped out to a 27-7 lead The Canes made a big move, come back to win 28-27. There was a controversial double pass in the game when Florida State threw a back, allegedly or threw a pass that was basically parallel, and that guy threw a second pass for a touchdown, and it was called back by the officials, ruling that it was a, the first pass was a forward pass, making the second pass illegal. Very controversial on replay. To me, it looked like it was directly parallel, which makes it a backwards pass. I was surprised that they didn't overturn that and give Florida State a touchdown. That would have given Florida State a two-touchdown lead late in the fourth quarter. But nonetheless, the Canes come back and steal it at the gun, 28-27. Again, Mark Rick getting it done, beating Willie Taggart. Keeping Miami's ACC championship hopes alive. Um, Florida State drops to three and three, and again, you know some some uh, progress, I guess, for Florida State in that they they played very pretty well for about two and a half quarters. 
But that last quarter and a half was not very well played. Gave up the three touchdown lead. Ended up going down 28-27 in a, in a pretty pretty good ball game down in Miami. So three big upsets there. You also had Florida, the Gators. Uh, not a huge upset, but the Gators take out the number five ranked LSU Tigers in the swamp. It was a the CBS game last week. Pretty darn good game. Defensive battle. Uh Florida scored late to take the lead. LSU had a chance to win the game, tie the game, win the game on the last drive. He, uh, QB for LSU threw threw an out route, which turned out route for six points for Florida. So the Gators end up winning by eight points. And again, the Gators are probably a year away, but Dan Mullen's doing a great job in Gainesville. They got one loss, heading uh, to a potential showdown with Georgia at the, at the cocktail party in Jacksonville in a couple weeks. But uh, the Gators are playing very well on defense. The quarterback situation is still an issue in, in Gainesville, in my opinion. I just don't think Philippi Franks is the answer. Um, but Mullen's doing a great job managing that situation, playing to his strengths, playing to the defense. they got good special teams at Florida. So be interesting to see how Florida continues to progress. They do have a tricky game that potentially could be tricky this week going to Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt always – either take somebody to the wire, or especially in the last couple of years under Derek Mason, they've knocked somebody off, knocked a couple of teams off that they shouldn't have beaten. So I would not be surprised if that game in Nashville this week with Vandy in Florida goes to the, is, is, a, is very competitive late into the fourth quarter. But I do expect Florida to find a way to get it done, to set up the matchup in a couple of weeks with Georgia. Um, so Notre Dame with a huge win at Virginia Tech. They go up to Blacksburg and take care of business. Close game at the half, but then Notre Dame uh, extends the lead in the second half and kind of runs away, run runs away and hides in the second half with a comfortable win. Notre Dame is beautifully set up for a, for a big run. They've got uh, they pretty much are going to be favored in every game the rest of the way. They got one big one more big showdown with USC late in the year, but the rest of the games are pretty manageable. Uh, we'll talk playoff here playoff teams here in just a couple minutes, but. Notre Dame with a very impressive win last week. So I got three games we're going to highlight for our big games this week in the on the college circuit. First off, you have LSU Georgia in Baton Rouge. That's going to be your CBS 330 game on Saturday. Again, LSU coming off a hard-fought loss at in Gainesville last week. Georgia rolled against Vandy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this game's very close going to the fourth quarter. I would expect Georgia to get it done, but I, I, it wouldn't shock me one bit if LSU were to pull a stunning up, pull the upset. Again, LSU, Baton Rouge, that crowd that uh, you know they're going to be all liquored up and sauced up all day, getting ready for that three thirty kick. Um, I like the LSU quarterback Burrow. He does a pretty decent job. The defense is pretty good at LSU. Georgia's got a great quarterback in Jake Fromm. Good running game. Very good defense. Georgia's the better team, but again, on the road in the SEC, you never know. These games are always tight. These games always have tricky moments, big plays, turnovers, that kind of stuff. Unexpected uh, stuff happens in these kind of games. I do expect Georgia to win, but it would not minus the seven and a half. I would definitely wouldn't be surprised if this is a you know four three four point game uh, won by Georgia. Next matchup is you got you got Wisconsin heading to the Big House to play Michigan prime time ABC. You're gonna have Herb Street and Fowler there. Michigan again 
kind of sleeping, kind of laying in the weeds, laying in the woods. Nobody's really talked about Michigan since they got throttled in week one by Notre Dame. They've slowly been, you know, building. They've won all the rest of their games. The offense is slowly getting better and better. The defense is dominant. This is a team that has three, at least three more big opponents left on their schedule, so it's going to help their playoff cause. They beat Wisconsin. They can beat Penn State. They can beat Ohio State. They'll have a great chance to be in the mix at the end to go to the playoff if they were to run the table. So look out for the Wolverines. I like what they're doing. Hardball. We got the quarterbacks getting better and better. Shea Patterson. I expect them to. I expect them to beat Wisconsin. Of course, Wisconsin will try to run the ball down your throat. The offensive line and the running backs. Uh, but I do expect Michigan to win the game. I'm going to say by ten points. Uh, last game, big game out west. You got the the one the one team out west that probably still has a shot to getting a playoff berth. You got Washington. The Huskies are heading to Oregon to face the Ducks. The Ducks blew a big game two weeks ago against Stanford late in the game. Washington is, again, probably the last hope of the Pac-12 to go to the playoff. They're still going to probably need some major help, even if they run the table. The Pac-12 is just not very good this year from top to bottom, so it's going to be hard for Washington to get some quality wins. But this is an opportunity for them to beat a a ranked team in Oregon on the road. So it will be interesting to see how Washington, Chris Peterson, and the Huskies uh, get – get busy up in Outson. Uh, Oregon has the probably the projected number one quarterback in the draft in Justin Herbert. He'll probably be the he, – it wouldn't shock me if he's the number one player in the, in the draft taken next year. Very good quarterback, very good arm, prototype, prototypical size, can move, excellent quarterback. So he'll definitely be a top five pick next year. But Jake Browning and the Huskies got an excellent defense, just a very well-rounded team. Uh, so that'll be that's kind of your big game out west is 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 Washington heading to Oregon. So those are the three big games. Looking at the college football playoff, you got Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, probably your top four today. Uh, probably very close in the number five hole is Notre Dame. You're gonna have a little bit of attrition because Georgia and Alabama will probably end up playing at some point, at, at either in the SEC, probably in the SEC championship game. So one of those teams is gonna have a loss. Ohio State has, still has a couple more games to play. You got Michigan, you got uh, Wisconsin, Clemson still got a couple of games that could be a little bit tricky, but they've got a pretty good road to being an undefeated team. So, um, in Notre, Notre Dame is in the, in the five hole. Notre Dame will not be left out of the college football playoff if they go twelve and zero. There's 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 no way that team's going to get left out. National, you know, with the national recognition they have, the reputation they have, if they go twelve and zero. And the other four teams above them go 12-0, and which is not possible because Bama and Georgia will play each other. Somebody's getting left out, which means you could have, potentially if Bama and Georgia were undefeated playing in the SEC championship game and they played a tight game, both those teams could go. Clemson could go, and you could potentially have where either Clemson or Ohio State get left out of the playoff if one of those two teams were undefeated. So be very interesting to see how the first round of playoff uh Rankings come out. Those rankings, I, th- I believe they start at the end of October. So we got a couple more weeks. I'm going to give you a couple teams to be, on the, again, on the lookout for. One, Texas. Texas is a team, again, a lot of national appeal. They've had two big wins. They beat Oklahoma. They beat USC. They still have some tussles and some, some, some roadblocks in their schedule. But if Texas is able to navigate the schedule and win the rest of them, 
Look out for Texas. Again, another that'd be another team that'd be tough to leave out with one loss. Um so and the other team to be to be to the other two teams I'm gonna talk about that uh could be kind of the spoiler here is you got UCF, ranked number ten. No respect last year from UCF. UCF had the perfect season and didn't get in the playoff. There's a lot, you know, they're they've got a perfect season going on now. There's going to be again a lot of pressure by the on the playoff committee if UCF were to have another perfect season. How, how can you keep these guys out of the playoff? They're the little guy. They're the, the kind of their version of Boise State. So it'll be interesting to see how 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 this unfolds if UCF were to run the table. I mean, can you can you keep UCF out again? I know their schedule's not overly difficult, um, but they're, they're, they can only play who they can play who's on their schedule. Their big showdown potentially could be with the University of South Florida at the end of the year. The Bulls, who could could also potentially be undefeated as we head to uh, the last game. That's it's basically the uh, the battle for I four. Last year they played a classic game, UCF and USF in in Orlando, and this year the game will be in uh, Tampa at at Raymond James Stadium. They usually play the last week of the season, so again that that could be a monster game from a playoff perspective for both teams. If both teams were to be undefeated, heading into Week 12, that could be a, a that could be a, that'll be an eliminating eliminator game. Uh, if both those teams get to that point, so it'd be interesting what kind of respect those two teams get in the initial uh, rankings when those do come out. So, uh, Alabama ho hum Tua Tua is just on fire at quarterback. He's been unbelievable. He's your definitely your Heisman front runner. Trevor Lawrence was back for Clemson this last week. He got injured the week before, but he was, he's apparently he's obviously okay. He came back and played really well. Ohio State took care of uh, took care of business last week, and obviously Georgia has got a big game with LSU this week. And Notre Dame's playing Pitt, I believe, this week in uh, South Bend. So college football season starting to starting to develop into, into form. There's gonna be some great uh, playoff ranking debates, some good conference races, and all that stuff. So it'd be interesting to see it. We'll continue to keep you updated and, and talk about the college football situation as we move forward. So, um, again, I want to talk real quick. I want to mention our sponsors one more time: the Running Center, Power Stories Theater, Five Star Athletics, Patrick Highland, our insurance quarterback, eight one three nine six six ten fifty two, Sam Jenkins Designs, Sam Jenkins Designs dot design dot com, Sam Jenkins Design dot com. Those are our sponsors. Check them out. You can Google them. They'll be on the web. On, on you know, Goop. Just Google them, and you'll be able to find out their location, how to contact them, all that good stuff. Again, excellent. Uh, they've been very generous with their with their support of the podcast and all that good stuff. I'm gonna take a quick water break here. My throat's a little scratchy. All right, so last thing we're going to talk about tonight is the National Football League, NFL. We've, we're through five weeks, heading to week six. We've got some interesting uh, storylines starting to develop in some of the conference, the division races and the conferences. Some of the, some of the teams are starting to rise to the top. Got some teams that were expected to be uh, very competitive that are not playing very well right now. Got some, uh, you got some teams that weren't expected to be playing very well that are playing pretty good. So, 
How about those Cleveland Browns? Unbelievable. They've won their first game on Sunday in like 700 days or something like that. Uh, They took care of the Baltimore Ravens in overtime last week. Uh, was not pretty. It was a 12-9 game, pretty ugly game. I watched a good bit of that game. You know, you had missed kicks, you had block kicks, you had turnovers. Joey Fluco, Joey Buttafluco, Buttaflacco, just, just, just when you think he's finally, finally going to show some consistency, he throws in a dud performance like he did on Sunday. Just not very good. And it, this is probably going to be the end of Joe Flacco in Baltimore this year. They drafted Lamar Jackson. Cleveland's super ecstatic with Baker Mayfield. Again, he made a big play in overtime uh, that helped them set up the field goal to win it. And the Browns are 2-2-1. Pittsburgh takes care of Atlanta in a desperation game. We talked about this game last week. Pittsburgh, it was a must-win game for both those teams. The Steelers took care of business, played very well on offense, played pretty well on defense, and really beat the, beat the Falcons pretty good. Up in Pittsburgh, so they moved to two, two, and one. The Falcons have dropped to one and four, which is wow. I mean, they're probably done in the NFC, to be honest with you, unless they were to go on a seven or eight game winning streak. Just the odds of them getting out of that one and four hole are not very good. My Bucks head to Atlanta on Sunday, which could would definitely put the dagger in the Falcons if the Bucks can get it done in Atlanta. The return of Jameis Winston out following the suspension in the bye week. So it'll be inter- really be interesting to see how Atlanta plays uh, at 1-4. and four. Obviously, Atlanta will be in full desperation mode. The Bucks are at 2-2 two and two heading to Atlanta. So it'll be, again, be an interesting NFC South matchup there with Jameis coming back, see what kind of timing he has with his wide receivers and such. And, um, again, an absolute eliminator, an elimination game for the Falcons. They could, if they go one and five, it's lights out in Atlanta. The defense has just been decimated with injuries. <clears throat> Matt Ryan did not play very well last week in Pittsburgh, but he'd been playing very well on offense prior to that. But the team's just it's just one of those years in Atlanta where everybody's getting injured, and at some point you run out of players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, the two teams we got two teams that are still undefeated. We got the Rams, L.A. Rams, just keep getting it done. A pretty gutsy gutsy win last Sunday in Seattle. Sean McVay, the ultimate uh, riverboat gambler, <clears throat> riverboat gambler, goes for it on fourth and one at his own forty, with about a minute and a half left in the game. Makes it, ices the game. I like that. I think it's a great, it was a great great decision to do that. You're up two points. If you get a first down, the game's over. <clears throat> if you punt, Russell Wilson's probably going to get you in the, at least into some field goal range, but. Very gutsy call. I liked it. I More coaches should do it on fourth and one. I don't care where you're out on the field, especially if you're on your 40 and if you're at least at your 40-yard line, go for it. The odds of a quarterback sneak getting stuffed for nothing are probably pretty slim. Uh, and you got the Kansas City Chiefs. A very impressive dismantling of the Jacksonville Jaguar defense in Kansas City. In a game where Mahomes did not play his best through a couple of interceptions, but Blake Bortles was awful. Just god-awful Blake Bortles. Four picks. Just terrible. I mean, I, I again, people that think Blake Bortles is, gonna, is turn the corner, going to get you over the top, is just, are just delusional. Blake Bortles is nothing better than the, the 25th, 26th best quarterback in that league at best. And that team, the Jaguars, you can't win it all on defense. 
The defense got got uh, you know got got picked on a little bit. They didn't play terrible, but they didn't you know they weren't fantastic. You know, as many weapons as Kansas City has with with Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you just can't you you, you you can't hold down an offense like that forever. And as bad as the Jacksonville offense was with no Leonard Fournette, just just turned into a disaster and uh, very ter- very very poor performance and very disappointing. Blake Bortles last week. But again, that's who he is. He's not a guy that's going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns on any kind of regular basis. He's a he's a underneath thrower, dink and dunk. He's not a guy that can push push the ball down the field. The wide receiving core is not great in Jacksonville either. So uh, Jacksonville has a big matchup in Dallas this week. So we'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah, the Cowboys in a great game with the <clears throat> Houston Texans on Sunday night went to overtime. Major controversy with Jason Garrett. He ends up punting the ball in overtime on the Houston 40 on fourth and basically two. Lots of lots of criticism towards Jason Garrett, even by the owner, Jerry Jones, towards like, why didn't you go for it on fourth and two? You got Dak Prescott, you got Ezekiel Elliott, you got the you got supposedly the top one of the top two or three offensive lines in the NFL, and you punt the ball and Deshaun Watson. Takes them down the field, kicks a field goal on at the gun, and they beat the Cowboys in overtime for a big win for the Texans. But lots of heat going on Jason Garrett now. The offense has been very stagnant. The play calling's not been great. And then you pile on top of that these coaching decisions to punt in overtime. Jason Garrett's going to be in some trouble in Dallas if he doesn't win nine or ten games this year. So uh, I think he's about the end of the line. I thought that you know I I I think they got to. They just have nobody at the receiver position to help out Prescott. Prescott's not the most accurate guy in the world either, which doesn't help, but not a lot of separation going on between those Dallas receivers and DBs. So uh, Green Bay's in a little bit of trouble. If you saw that game, you saw Mason Crosby, the kicker for Green Bay, miss five kicks, four field goals and an extra point. They end up losing the game by eight points. I mean, Crosby's had a very good NFL career, so for him to miss five kicks is, is just an absolute anomaly. But he has been very, a little more erratic the last couple of years, and obviously the five kicks is definitely going to doom you when you're playing on the road in a division t- game like that. So the, the Lions take care of the Packers. Last big game we'll talk about is the Minnesota Vikings went to Philadelphia. The old Super Bowl hangover. Man, oh man, oh man. Carson Wentz back. I mean, we just, I mean, you know, I guess this is a real thing, the Super Bowl hangover, because it just inevitably happens every year to everybody, maybe except the Patriots. But uh, these super, you know, when you win the Super Bowl, it's that, that little bit le- less lack of motivation, that little bit less, I'm going to do the extra reps, the extra lifting, the extra running, the extra film study. All that seems to just suffer just a little bit in that post-Super Bowl celebration. And the Eagles are off to a 2-3 and three start. The offensive line is pretty porous. Wentz, every time I looked up Sunday, Wentz was getting hit. Uh, the receivers are not, you know, not exceptional in Philadelphia. Jay Ajayi just tore his ACL, so he's out for the year. There's some speculation that Philadelphia might be interested in trading for LaShawn McCoy or... Even Le'Veon Bell, which that would be a, a monster move, really for either guy, especially for Le'Veon Bell. But I think Shady McCoy would probably be a pretty good fit in Philadelphia. He knows Philly. He played there for many years. 
They traded him not because he wanted to leave, but because Chip Kelly, when Chip Kelly was running the show, traded him to Buffalo. So I, I'll be I wouldn't be surprised at all if Shady gets traded back to Philadelphia. I got him on my fantasy team, so let's go trade him to Philadelphia, please, and get him out of Buffalo, to where I can where he's got some trade value, and he'll do well in Philadelphia if he can get to Philly. You know, so again, Minnesota goes into into Philly this last week. Kirk Cousins plays very well. They get out of there with a 23-21 win. I, I think I called that one a stone winner. Uh, big upset. So a couple hot seat coaches we talked about just a minute ago. Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn potentially, Pete Carroll potentially, and potentially Dirk Cutter here in Tampa. So those would be the five guys that I would probably take a look at to say that's kind of on the hot seat here as we as we head towards the towards the halfway point of the of the NFL season. Especially McCarthy, I think. I think maybe the 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 message is getting stale in Green Bay. Um, you know, they got a new GM last year, and he kept McCarthy. It wouldn't shock me if there was a parting of the ways at the end of the year with McCarthy, even if they ended up nine and seven, ten and six, unless they were to go to the Super Bowl. But if if they don't go to the Super Bowl, I I could very easily see a parting of the ways, and a potential reunion in Seattle with McCarthy and John Schneider, who used to work together in Green Bay. Uh, I could see Pete Carroll retiring at the end of the year. And again, here in Tampa you, with Dirk Cutter, it's going to very very much depend on how Jameis plays these last 12 weeks and how the team does. Um, I think the Bucks need to go 8-8 eight and eight to save Cutter's job at least. Um, and Winston needs to play fairly well. So uh, big matchups this week. There's four big games in my opinion. You've got the, uh, who would think this, the L.A. Chargers heading to Cleveland. That's a potentially a big game. If you if you actually if you look at Cleveland, they could potentially easily be four and one, if not five and zero. Oh. They've had some bad luck. They had a tie. They had a couple other. They had a game in Oakland where they kind of got got uh, uh, got some got some poor officiating. You know this team could easily be four and one. So you got L.A. Chargers, Rivers and company coming to Cleveland. It should be an interesting game in there in Cleveland. Cross country travel. You got Pittsburgh. The Steelers have kind of righted the ship a little bit, going to the division leading four and one Bengals. Nobody thought the Bengals would be four and one at this point, so it's kind of a pretty big game there in the NFC North and AFC North. If Cincy wins, they'll be five and one. Pittsburgh will be two, three and one. So a pretty big game in Pittsburgh. I mean, in Cincinnati for the Bengals. Um, you know, Andy Dalton's been playing very well with AJ Green. Joe Mixon's back in the fold. I would not. I, I'm going to anticipate a high-scoring game here. I'm going to say I'm. Gonna, I think Pittsburgh's going to find a way to get it done. 31-27 kind of game. Uh, Roethlisberger, to Antonio Brown, James Conner played very well last week against the Falcons. You got Jacksonville, the Jaguars heading to Big D to see the Cowboys. Again, I think it's a must-win game for Dallas. I'd have to look at their schedule to see when their bye week is, but. Dallas continues to slide. It wouldn't shock me if Dallas made a coaching change during their bye week. They've got some guys on the staff that have been coach, head coaches before. You got Rod Marinelli. You got Scott Linehan. Probably would be Marinelli would probably be promoted to be the coach if they made a move. But huge game for the Cowboys. You got the Jaguars that are kind of in kind of uh, you know good defense, but the offense is a little bit to be desired. Fournette's continuing to be out for for quite some time with a hamstring injury. Um, I think the, I think Dallas is going to find a way to get it done at home. 
in probably the marquee game of the game of the week. Sunday night football in Foxborough, the five and O Chiefs go see Belichick and the Patriots Sunday night. This is what I call the Patriot rules. Whenever the Patriots are three four point favorites in a game against whoever they're playing. I don't care who it is, where it is, when it is. You take the Patriots. The Patriots have had 10 days to get ready for this game. You got Brady. You got Josh Gordon. You got Edelman back. Gronkowski. All those guys. Sony, the emergence of Sony Michelle in the backfield. You got Kansas City rolling in after a tough game. 5-0. and The Kansas City defense is a porous defense. Even though they... they you know, Brady's not turning the ball over four times like Blake Bortles is. Bortles is not. I mean, Brady is not having. Is not going to be a uh, a game manager. He's going to be. They're going to be playing aggressive offensive football. They're going to be probably. I think they're going to probably take the strategy of trying to, to slow the game down a little bit to, to minimize the possessions for Kansas City. The New England defense is average at best, so I think they're going to try to keep Mahomes off the field. But when in doubt, brother. Foxborough, Sunday night, Collinsworth, Al Michaels. You take the Patriots at home, bro. You take the Patriots at home. Big game. Belichick, Brady, McDaniels. You know, you take the Patriots and you lay the three and a half. All right, so episode five in the books. Want to thank you for joining us. Tell a friend. Tell a Tell a colleague, share it on your Twitter feed, share our podcast on your Facebook, you know, Instagram, all your different social media outlets. Let's get this viewership and this listenership up. We want to hear from you. If you got comments about the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Twitter at kick the FB, kick the FB like football, but FB kick the FB is our Twitter. Send us and tell us how we're doing topics you want to hear us talk about questions you might have we'll definitely talk we'll mention you on our on the next podcast next week or you can email us at sportspowers at yahoo.com sportspowers at yahoo.com so thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week baseball football the nba starts next week we might even talk a little nba oh god i hope not in october jay please but we might talk a little NBA. We'll give you a little quick preview of the NBA. Have a great weekend and win or win a chicken dinner and be safe for all you people up in the panhandle. We're thinking about you. <laughs>